0: Let me tell you a story about a Spaniard, Ned Vasquez.
1: Welcome to Genders, Queers, and Buccaneers.
0: I'm your host, Andy. And I'm your loyal bosun. I am uh, questioning nothing about what the crew says, or what the captain says, and uh, making sure that he knows that I trust him. And I'm Ronnie. If you can tell by those introductions, he'll always be a bosun to me. I'm, I don't mean to interrupt, but Billy Bones. <laughs> I've known Billy Bones for all five episodes now. He's always going to be a bosun. He's only been a, a bosun for three of those episodes. He's always going to be a bosun to me.
1: That's fair. That's fair. Um, if you can tell by those introductions, uh, genders, queers, and buccaneers is deep diving the. Underrated, underappreciated, absolutely incredible work of art that is black sales. We are about to jump into episode
0: five, baby. Personally, what I think that people can get from this podcast when it comes to black sales, that I really think maybe you're missing other places is just how unbiased we are in our critic in our like critical eye on this piece <laughs> of media. It's just like it's really, you know, unfettered. It's 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 not so like hemmed in by like just like adoration for this product it's really just straight down the middle no we're not in any camp you know it's obvious that we don't really have have a horse in this race and i I think that's what people can really take away here
1: (laughs) yeah definitely unbiased uh on my fourth (laughs) rewatch boy howdy um (laughs) So this is this is a little fun thing before we dig into the episode. Yeah, um, my my friend who I have been bullying to cosplay and Bonnie mm. um, finally finished the show, <gasps> and so I, I get to ask a bunch of questions now to this person because the finale is—I don't want to say controversial. The, the finale is. Um, unclear certain things um you know there there's there's people who may be lying there's people who may be alive there's people who may not be alive there's people who may be telling the truth and so i just like peppered this friend with a thousand questions like what do you think about this what do you think about that what do you think about this and um on my first three rewatches i have had the same view of the finale and talking to this friend has shaken me and uh, mm. I'm gonna be keeping an eye out now. I think I think I might be switching sides. I don't want to spoil nothing, so you know.
0: Sure, yeah. Don't. Uh, I, we we have si- we have three and a half seasons the, to go. Who are the sides? What is the conflict? There's yeah. just so much that we don't know about, and I'm so excited for there to be like a, a, a big uh, ambiguous, uh, exciting storyline to come up.
1: Well, that's just something I love about this show is anytime someone finishes it and, and you get to talk to them, like, hearing their take on certain things. Like, um, there's a lot of Flint silver shippers out there. Mm-hmm. And I watched it – the first time I watched it, I didn't know people shipped those two characters. Um And then starting – my second rewatch, I was, like, aware that Flint and Silver is a, a popular ship, and I was like, I really don't see it. Uh, like, I watched the show once, didn't notice it. I'll, wa- I'll, 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 like, pay attention to it this time and see if I notice anything.
0: Yeah.
1: Second rewatch, still didn't notice anything. So I made a, a tweet about it. I was like, hey, I know Flint and Silver is a popular ship. I don't see it. Like, can, can can someone explain to me why this is such a popular ship? Like, like where's, where's the... Where's the the evidence for it that that people are pointing to and like latching onto like like why why are people so convinced that this was uh, an intended reading of the show and mm. people threw a lot of evidence my way and then on that third rewatch I was like you know what maybe not for me but like I see it and on this rewatch I'm like I've been I've been flint silver pilled I'm like every look they give each other every line of dialogue and I'm thinking back to other lines of dialogue from seasons we haven't gotten to yet and I'm like oh my god I think these people might be onto something so uh it is there's there's a lot of layers in depth that you can sure. do with this show on every rewatch
0: yeah I, uh, I I am far from being able to like really look at it and say like oh yeah I I, I read that too I will say I see it I, I certainly I certainly see a Flint silver ship uh like be I, I could see that being a thing. Um I guess just because again, they are two very hot men and I, I I'm I'm okay with it. <laughs> sure. Um but uh but yeah, yeah. I it, one of the things you talked about last time was just how like this show doesn't really uh doesn't doesn't make its bones in tying up a bunch of loose ends. Like that's that's something that is, you know. A lot of stuff is just left to the imagination, and I am super okay with that in any media because if you're telling a good story, it doesn't matter that there are like unanswered questions, like that's that that that, that belongs to us, to the to the to the the reader now. Um, yeah, but for this show especially, I'm very okay with like it's 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 seafaring. Like, the, like literally, like, ships just go out and you don't see them ever again. And that's just, that's just the way it works. There's unanswered questions for everybody, every character within this show. Why shouldn't we enjoy that as well?
1: There are so many characters who have long monologues about, like, how the truth is in the story and the story is mm-hmm. um, not true. Like, it it belongs to the listener but it also is swayed by the teller and like Mm. like you can't control the story but like who tells the story matters and like all this shit about how like it's all a matter of perspective and like spin and angle Mm. and uh To expect then the show to tell you concretely exactly what every character was thinking, what every character was feeling, and exactly what happened would uh, then be absurd. Like, of course, the show leaves tons and tons on the table for the listeners to then retell – the story and put their spin on it Mm -hmm. because that like the show is inviting you to do that. In a lot of ways, that's what we're doing with this podcast. That's what people do with fan art. That's what people do with uh, YouTube edits. That's what people do with fan fiction. That's what people do with cosplay uh, for black sales is they take what was left on the table, which the storytellers very intentionally provided for us. And then we get to retell the story and put our spin and our angle on it. So it, that's,
0: that's real cool and fun. It's so interesting, even, like, uh, this. Is, <laughs> we, are, we are taking a huge departure before we even dive into this amazing episode of Black Sails, but, like, I, I think about, you know, this episode deals a lot with, like, the power that Eleanor Guthrie holds, and, like, the value that Eleanor Guthrie holds, and, like, she has the power to get goods to from these pirates and get them to the colonies. But as we see later, like, with Mr. Frazier having that like bill of sale or whatever he call it, bill of port or the ability to get things to ports. Like that seems to be like a minor point of this. What really Eleanor Guthrie is, is like an information broker on like the telltale of these prizes that can be claimed and giving information out to different crews. And that's, that is exactly what we're talking about here. Just She has stories to tell of, like, yeah, I heard that there's this ship off the coast of Havana or something, and, and if you go now, you can, like, you know, wrap that up. Like, she has gotten to this point because, only because probably a lot of those panned out, and it worked out pretty well. And these, there surely was times where it didn't work out, but that's, like, the nature of, storytelling she tells the stories in a very logistic way and we see flint tell it in a very poetic sermon-like way but both Mm -hmm. have like this this way of like making the stories work for them no matter how the information comes to them and like yeah it's 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 all woven not only within this story but in like the history of piracy and the history of like information gathering on the sea like it, it's in this age of information that we're living in with the internet and stuff like that it's like almost trite to talk about that or it's almost like over overdone but like it's it's so interesting to take a step back and put yourself in this time where it's like it's it's the same it's the same game different different tools but it's the same game love it Let's, I love
1: uh it. i think that's a great That's a great note to dive into the episode, because the first, like, four scenes involve people telling stories that are not true. Yes, yes, yes. Um, So the episode opens with uh, Ship Chase. The Mm -hmm. walrus is uh, chasing the Andromache. Mm -hmm. Um, The Andromache, by the way, is a name I have considered changing my name to. I noticed Um,
0: that. I noticed this is the first time I had seen uh, Andromache in the wild after you had kind of shared that with me.
1: It means a uh, fighter of men. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's a mistake that that is the name of this ship. And that, that is what Flint is chasing. Um, uh, but we get this scene between Flint and Billy where Billy confronts him about like everything fucking going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and Flint is trying to convince Billy that like, Hey, Things are fine. You didn't do anything wrong. Like, I just want to check in. Are we good? And Billy is like, bruh, I don't think we're good, man. Like, (laughs) I think you keep lying about stuff and making me lie. And now people are dead. And um, Billy specifically asks about the Barlow woman. Mm -hmm. And um, we see Flint deflect with humor at first by saying, like, Oh, she's a witch, and I've sold my soul, and she commands the waves for me. And Billy, like, looks at him and is like, We, we both know that that's, like, not true. And uh is like, Fine. She's like this Puritan woman. We both love books. I have, like, a normal wife on land that, like, I keep secret from the crew because they need to think I'm a big toughie. And unclear if Billy believes him or not. Um... This is uh, a different version of the story than we got from Richard Guthrie. So, Ronnie,
0: how do you feel about this story that Flint tells? It is, uh, I, I, I'm fascinated. Fa- th- so this this whole scene, like the, Andy has, we've talked about. Episode five is is the telltale. Are you going to like Black Sails or not? This whole scene, I took so many notes on this scene. Um, There's always doubt, Billy. No sane man would deny that. No good captain would acknowledge it. It's just like... It is the encapsulation of everything we've talked about so far that this is a workplace drama. This Flint Mm -hmm. is not a... Is not like a... Is not a Billy. He is not like a real rallying force that is going to be a consistent person that everyone's going to go to and and trust. People are going to be able to trust and like lean on the captain these times. He is an excellent manager of people. What good would it do any of the people out there to know all of the odds? Uh, never tell me the odds. Like, What good would it do everyone out there to know what could go wrong when they have a job to do? Like, just to do it. They are all cogs in this machine. But again, as I've talked about before, not in the capitalistic bullshit way. They are cogs in the machine. And then we are all, I am a cog. Flint is a cog. We are all working together. We are all equal parts of this thing. And it is my role to understand all of the potential odds and to decide what is worth it to share with the crew. And like, it's, it's just so, so good. He's, he does such a good job. Flint
1: is so tortured because, like, on the one hand, he has to use his crew as pawns. Right. But on the other hand, he loves his crew, and he doesn't right. want to sacrifice any of them. But he, like, is consistently forced to, like, have to because that's the nature of the chess game that they have been, like, trapped in. Right. Uh, against a uh, the, an opponent who has infinitely more pawns and kings and queens
0: and rooks and knights and bishops right yeah and it's just like it it, it it uh like mirrors a little bit of the conversation we've had about like the people who have privilege versus the people who do not and it's like in a perfect world in like a you know marxist communist like belief system star trek all- Start, yeah, all of these lives Yeah. Would be and valuable. Star Trek. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All these lives would be valuable enough that like Flint would never think to like use them as pawns, but it's like Flint doesn't get to live in that world, none of this crew get to live in this world, and everyone is very aware of that. Even even mm-hmm. later, when Dufresne is given a pistol and is told like you gotta fight or 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 nothing, he understands his role and does the thing. Like every Everyone is, no one is, is, is above this. And like Flint being the manager of all that, it's just so, so well done. And Billy, like still having so much to learn about how that happens. Like, and so, so, so it comes to the point where you're, you're talking about with, with um, Mrs. Barlow and Flint kind of opens this whole thing up by saying like, we have jobs to do in about like an hour. Right now is the time where we can be people and we can be honest with each other. Like, now is the time for honesty. They're going back and forth. He has the conversation about Barlow. And Flint and and Billy says, Is that the truth? And then immediately they they call sales on the horizon. And like yeah. in my head, I was like, Oh, saved by the bell. Honesty time is over. But in like, it also is like Flint enters like a fugue state of like it's not like, hey, I'll be honest with you right now. It's in about an hour, I will not be able to be honest with you. We will be in, in the fucking, yeah. like, thick of it. And so, like, in my head, it's like, oh, it's not like a, ha gotcha, Billy. It's, nope, Flint is zeroed in. Like Game time. And- Andromache is spotted. His eyes immediately narrow. It is go time. I am holding absolutely firm and absolutely certain that Barlow is a sea witch. <laughs> and like this this whole like multiple people have like have uh like lampshaded it to the point where it's like this is there is no other situation here that it could be. I understand that like this is not really the world that we are playing in yet. Maybe that maybe that is to come. But like I am, I am. I've got nothing to lose. I am. I am staying firmly and strongly in the uh, Ab- uh, Abigail Abigail Barlow. Is that her name? Uh, Barlow is a is a sea witch.
1: Um, um. Oh my god, I'm blanking on her first name. This is embarrassing. She's such a good Miranda character. Miranda Barlow. Thank you. Yes, Miranda Barlow. Yes, 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 yes. Um, um she is one of my absolutely favorite characters in like anything um i fucking love miranda barlow uh yeah she she is so central to everything black cells is doing and i love how like these first few episodes are like laying a mythology around her as like yeah characters keep asking about like who she is and we keep getting these like wildly differing and biased takes about who she is cut with scenes of her like living a pretty normal existence um mm-hmm. it's it's a really compelling storytelling
0: yeah we, ha, the last like barlow does not show up in this episode miranda does not show up in this episode no. and the last we saw her was her kind of like seemingly negotiating passage out of nassau for Herself and uh, Guthrie, uh, Elder Guthrie, and like, uh, what I don't, I don't know what to make of that. Like, is this a posi- situation where she is in control and and playing all these people? Is she is not living? Th- which is like, I think that's the interesting thing here. She is not living in this world of a workplace drama. She is is incredibly removed from it, and Flint has almost like seen to that. But is she? And and what is the world she's living in? It's it, I, I, I I don't know enough, but I I'm excited to, to learn more. Uh so anything else on that scene? Yeah, I mean as far as the first like three minutes of the episode goes, up until you know they see the Andromache, I feel like that, that covers all of my thoughts about it. I could probably talk more, but I, I, I think it's it's worth it to to check out what the other fifty seven minutes of this episode have to offer.
1: Yeah, so moving on, we get a uh, scene where um, Jack and, and Charles go to the brothel. Um, last episode, uh, Charles murdered uh, Noonan, the owner. And so Jack has, mm-hmm. like, created a fake deed of sale and tells a story to, um, like, the head madam... Um, I guess would be like her yeah. position. Um, presumably she like used to be one of the sex workers there and now she like manages them. Um and Jack is like, yeah, we own this now. And she's like, um that seems like bullshit. However, um I might like you more than I liked the the old guy. So like um how about we cut me in on this story i'll help you sell it and we'll run this brothel together um jack agrees to give her a massive race and uh Ann isn't mm-hmm.
0: too thrilled about taking over the brothel it is it is a a very jack rackham scene that or, or rather a very jack rackham sensibility that she goes from three percent of of the take to forty percent, and it's like she didn't ask for forty percent. Jack just off, and it's like Jack, you probably could have offered a little less than that. But that is very a Jack Rackham thing to just like do the math on what loss he's able to to cover and be like, yep, that's fine, we're good. Um, so good on good on Jack there. Um. And yeah, and and as you said, Anne is really coming into her own on this episode, or at least making, you know, her personality a bit more of a of a focal point. And so uh very interested there. Uh Charles Vane doesn't have much to say about nothing. Charles no. Vane is is incredibly subdued, and uh it is it is an interesting interesting Charles Vane. It
1: it, it plays to that
0: idea of like the story and who's telling it though, in that
1: Jack tells uh Mapleton a story, and she's like, "No, no, 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 you need me to help you tell this story um like <laughs> like like yeah. y- y- you're not the person to tell this story. I'm the person to tell this story, so how about you get yeah. me on your side? uh, it's very black sales,
0: and it's very interesting to see like like clearly on the walrus. There are storytellers. There are Flint. There is Gates. There is even even the uh, the Singleton heads, the the Morleys out there. They are their own storyteller. And on the on the Ranger, Anne's not telling any stories. Anne's Anne's keep it pretty close to the vest. Jack Rackham is not a storyteller. Jack Rackham is the like logistics, like grease the hand kind of guy to manipulate things. And Charles Vane is just like the body language dude and like i'll t- i'll tell a story with my with my pistol and my and my rapier and like it is telling the difference between the crews of the walrus and ranger the, the ranger crew mm-hmm. kind of like trolling the island right now as like a a ship without a sail sort of thing and the walrus being like so e- even even in their like uh, worst state like being very much just like
1: Jack wants to be a
0: storyteller.
1: Jack, Jack wants to be someone. Yeah. Jack wants to be someone who can tell the story. Um, yeah. Whether or not he is right now is is up for debate. It seems like he,
0: yeah. to your point, that he that he isn't yet. But um, he's got talents and he's got a lot of the pieces, yeah. and he's got like, I think people can can see his value, and that is why they're kind of like there. There's also a little bit of like firing the firing the cannon indoors. Like he's talking about how he's gonna have a crew someday. Why why blow your load here when mm-hmm. like you can you can really make start to make a name for yourself when you've got the platform that you you think you deserve. There, there's certainly yeah. something to be said for keeping it under your jacket until it's like okay, well now you've now you get to fucking know Jack Rackham.
1: So moving on from there. Uh, We go to Silver, who is uh, fucking handcuffed to Randall, (laughs) and Eleanor, who is, uh, like, really upset that she doesn't know where Mr. Scott is. Um, Yeah. uh, It turns out that, like, Silver is in her office, so she's like, what the fuck is going on? She uncounts. And uncuffs him from Randall and then, like, recuffs him to the wall, uh, which is funny because Silver <laughs> thought she was going to let him out, which, like, Eleanor is not an idiot. She is not going to do that. Um, mm-hmm. Silver explains that he is not allowed to fight in the Andromache battle because Flint doesn't want Silver to die before he- Silver reveals the schedule.
0: Interesting. Um, okay, that's so they have to, like, keep Silver safe. That is very obviously what he meant, but that is not how I read it. He's, he, he, oh, that's so funny because the line is Flint does not want, uh, my story of the, of the schedule to spill out on the deck of the end drama I fully thought it was like a, like, oh, he doesn't want me to like uh tell anybody like spill in that way he literally mm-hmm. meant he did not want his brains to spill out on the yeah. deck <laughs> that's so good oh, uh, God. uh
1: silver is kind of like picking up that like eleanor is pissed at him and so uh in in a very silver way he he like just very pointedly asks like i uh picking up that you're mad at me can i ask why And uh, Eleanor blames him for everything bad that's happened to Max, which um, I don't think is very fair. Um, But then they get interrupted, and it turns out her dad is outside, like, rallying a crowd telling all of them, like, the worst possible news. That, like, uh, Scarborough is coming, that uh, I'm facing execution, I'm a fugitive from the law... We um, aren't going to be able to do business anymore. Um, if anyone is owed anything by the Guthrie name, take it up with Eleanor. And so we have our next storyteller uh, spinning a yarn and uh, being a real dickhead about it.
0: Yeah. I, I, so much more of this. I mean, he's clearly like working an angle with the lies about Boston and and kind of wrapping up the, the, the stuff here. But... Very much more of him telling a story from a place of privilege and composure. That is wrong. That is not true. Mm -hmm. Um, That, like, he says as much to Eleanor, like, Flint's coming back empty-handed or not at all. And it's like, we know that's not true. (laughs) Like, we know that probably won't happen. This is, he's wrong. He's just wrong. He does not have an he, he can tell a story, but he does not have the information gathering piece to, like, support himself now that he is on the ropes. He has not, like, er, learned that skill. And, like, both Eleanor Guthrie and Richard
1: Guthrie have privilege uh, by their mm-hmm. their name and their class. Um sure. Eleanor is obviously the disadvantaged by being a woman and being in a patriarchal Mm -hmm. uh, society and, like, uh, uh, an even more patriarchal time. Um, However, she has used her privilege to, like, befriend and get to know the people of Nassau in a way that Richard never did. Like, Eleanor and Flint have a real friendship. They have a real relationship. Um, Eleanor and Mr. Scott have what seems to be a very um, genuine uh, friendship and and relationship. Um, Eleanor's like bodyguard guy. Um, What's his name? Um, O'Malley uh, seems to Mm. like really care and respect her. Um, So like Richard doesn't have that from jack shit uh, because he's an asshole. And right. uh, he has only ever abused his privilege, where Eleanor has been willing to, um, like, use her privilege to help people in, in what seems to be, like, pretty real and genuine ways. Uh, she might still be, like, kind of blinded by it at times. Um, yeah. She might not fully understand the scope of it um, right. in the way that, like, quite, quite a few, like, white women do, where, like, they, they don't realize that they're privileged Um, because they're like, well, I'm a woman, so I, uh, I don't have any privilege. And it's like, yeah, but like, you're a white, straight woman. So like maybe, you know, check, check some of that. Um, yeah. But,
0: And, 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 and as I talked about last time with the idea of this, like speaking from a point of privilege and composure, it's, it's, it's so much about privilege, but when you boil down privilege, it's a lot about where, where does shit end up when it all goes bad? When it all mm-hmm. like when everything goes ass up, what happens to you? What do you have to lose? And like I said last time, for Guthrie, he will lose a lot of power and a lot of status, but he can go to a go back to a place of of comfort in in Boston. Yeah, he can run off to Boston or England. Yeah, exactly. Eleanor can do the same, but also. Richard Guthrie is kind of throwing her to the wolves in some degree being like, yeah, Eleanor will settle all your debts, talk to her. And then like, that's it. And it's like, he, it, it's this level of like, how far does that privilege extend? What is going oh, well, to happen when everything is, to the end of
1: it. He is fully throwing her under the bus and then like going forwards and backwards, like yeah. <laughs> on her, yeah. Uh yeah. total, total dick move. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Moving on from um, there, we're we're, we're kind of done with storytellers
0: for a moment. We yeah. get to more chase scene shit. Um, yeah. So like this, I think this part actually happens like before we go back to Nassau, but just like them picking up the speed to catch up with the Andromache, I I was f- like it, like distill that put it in the needle, inject it right into my veins. I want that every single minute of every single day. I was so, so horny for it. Yes, 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 yes. Like, like even, like, the measuring implements of them, like, throwing the the weight in the water and Dufresne with the the hourglass and, like, it measuring the speed. Like, this is all stuff that I think is probably, uh, you know, this is, this is, like, This is a live-action Landlubber learning with Ronnie where I don't have anything else to say. I'm just learning that this is how things work. The ship's wheel... I've never seen a ship's wheel in media that has the kind of, like, rope strung around it that kind of obviously controls the rudder. And now that I've seen that, it's like, oh, well, that's how a ship's wheel works. Like, the fact that I haven't seen that before is just, like, a poor... Like, that's a disservice i've been done a disservice by seafaring media um and like i'm i'm just like so amped about it and that's like all my landlubber learning with ronnie stands out there like this was fun to learn wasn't it like this was really cool and fun right and it's probably old hat for you andy but like love it very into it it's
1: so good um there is a uh An older black sales podcast called uh fathoms deep and um when uh it was done by two women they were fantastic when they got to this episode they were both like just so horny for the ship scenes and it's extremely relatable um so hot because it is it is so so good um
0: Goodness gracious. It is. Uh, it is. And, 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 like, I, again, I know this is old hat for you. I just need to, like, the like, there's no analog for it in the modern world of, like, a bunch of, like, dirty, greasy people. You know, there's, obviously there are women on some of these crews. Uh, people just, like, using their, like, raw strength to control this, like mammoth machine to try and, and manipulate it and their their brains they're brought like having an understanding of like what sail is going to do what and like being balancing out their weight distribution across the ship and like it's there's no analog for it of just watching all these people work together in like a way to make this vessel do what it wants in one of the most unforgiving environments on the planet, and it's just it, it's 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 so visceral that like I can't, I, it is so sexual, <laughs> it is so incredibly sexual, and like yeah, horny is the only word for it that I I have goosebumps right now, not because of like the power of it or how cool it was, just because I am. Rock hard for fucking seafaring. <laughs> uh,
1: so de Groot, not Dufrain. De Groot is the one who warns Flint that like we're gonna yes. fuck up the ship if we do this. De Groot is yes, the like yes. shipmaster. Uh, Dufrain yeah. is like the nerd. He's the little yes. guy with the glasses. Um, yeah. Flint is like fuck you. I know what I'm doing. I'm gonna play Poseidon in Percy Jackson. I'm a sea god, mm-hmm. and is like here's what we're doing. Uh, right. And they do it, and it works. Uh, the crew yep. is able to get the ship to work um, yep. accurately, and it is so sexy watching these so muscle sexy. boys, these these dirty sailor boys running around the ship, pulling on the ropes and the the, the they waves.
0: Get, and, they get a whole half a knot more than they needed in order to catch up to the Andromache in time, and the, the the ship goes wild. The, i went like it, it felt like a climax like it literally was yeah. just like they, they said seven and a half knots and it was like oh yeah like i i I it's it no words no words just incredible emotions
1: uh it's very very good um yeah there's a scene in the movie brothers bloom by ryan johnson where um uh there's a woman on a train and and like she's really horny and there's like a thunderstorm happening and like the train is moving and like it keeps flashing to like the engine room where like coals are being thrown on the fire and then the wheels Mm, that are like moving and she just like fully comes um to like Mm -hmm. the thunderstorm and uh that is how i feel every time i watch black sails and like ships are doing ship stuff it's uh it's real good
0: a steam engine is probably the closest like analog that I can that I can think of, but again, not a modern example. Like it's, it's no, it's uh yeah, there's <sighs> something something real visceral about it. After this, uh the ne- I, I, the next note I have is um back on the ship later on before the the boarding, and so if you have anything. Uh, I, I I can't remember if we were. I'm sure we were back on I, Nassau I, after the after I, the big I,
1: chase. I, yeah, after this scene, Eleanor confronts her dad, and it's just like, "Why are you such an asshole?" And um, uh, she is just like, or he is just like, uh, because uh, Flint sucks, and uh, and we we kind of already <laughs> talked about that. So yeah. um, oh uh, th- then like a like mob tries to confront. Yes um eleanor um uh it hornigold like gets involved um they decide to have like a meeting
0: i did love to see hornigold here this is a bit before the like the real meeting takes place mm-hmm. um yeah. but like hornigold bringing his men down and like kind of defending the tavern and and eleanor like that like co- good this is this is this is like the real salt of the island salt of the earth like mm-hmm. they they understand the value here and they're also we'll, we'll we'll talk about it later like you know they don't believe eleanor or they're not like in league with eleanor to the death of it but they see value in like cooling the tensions as they are so we can figure out what the hell is on the other side of this um which just fe- feels very feels feels good for horn of gold
1: yeah um Hornigold is, like, not necessarily wrong about anything this episode. Right. Um, right. Even though he he is kind of portrayed in opposition to Eleanor, who presumably we are rooting for. Um, yeah. yeah. Right, right, right. Um, quite a bit more happens before we actually get back to the Andromache. So I'm going to run through that quickly because it's not as exciting sure. as Andromache shit. Um. Sure. Uh, Hammond, who is, like, the new biggest asshole on the Ranger crew, is Mm, pumped that, um, Eleanor has been deposed because she, like, blacklisted their crew. Um, uh, he's, like, bragging to Rackham, uh, that he's going to, uh, we're gonna kill her. Um, Rackham is like, dude, she's backed by Hornigold. Hornigold has the fort. Uh, Hornigold has a lot of respect. Maybe we, like, chill out a bit. Um bonnie is like hey we should kill that guy um (laughs) and like like we should kill hammond and rackham is just like bonnie like i appreciate that your solution to every problem is what if we stab
0: him but um like i think we just need to let this one rest um I love I, 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 in in our discussion of storytellers. I did mention that Ann Bonnie is clearly not a storyteller. Is clearly not intentionally not speaking a lot. Intentionally not telling a story. It is so. I don't want to get away from the fact that like while we are like very, we find a lot of value in these storytellers. Ann Bonnie gets fucking results. <laughs> it's clear Ann Bonnie like <laughs> at the end of the pistol is like yeah like that is also a legitimate strategy. <laughs>
1: I I fucking love that Ann Bonnie's two daggers are also brass knuckles like like that is <laughs> oh, such a I, I specific that. character beat. yeah mm-hmm. yeah the the guards of her daggers um it's like a full handle guard on like a dagger which isn't necessarily uncommon but it's not super common and hers are like fucking yeah. studded. Um, oh, so that God, if so she wants to that's... punch a motherfucker, And then stab them. She
0: can. Um, It is. And goes. Because. Because. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. I just need. At at my, like, the core of my philosophy, I don't find this to be the truth. But the way that black sails can make violence so fucking sexy (laughs) is absolutely wild to me just you wait for when charles vane
1: and uh captain flint fight uh because it is oh, it is God. it it is basically a sex scene um be still my heart moving, moving on <laughs> moving on um and goes to the beach with mapleton to like take care of max uh they're like yeah. healing her up they're making sure that um she's not getting pregnant um mm. mapleton doesn't do a great job, uh, and is like, let me, let me do this, and she's very gentle, um, Max asks, uh, Bonnie, like, why she cares, like, why, um, oh, because Max asked her, or Annie asked Max, like, why didn't you leave when you had the chance, uh, Max is like, why the fuck do you care, um, and then instead of responding to the question, uh, Anne does uh, the most Anne move where she tells a story. We've been saying how she's not much of a (laughs) storyteller. Her story is that one time while she was asleep, a guy on her crew put his balls on her and she cut them off. And uh, she then encourages Max uh, to uh, stab a motherfucker next time she gets assaulted, (laughs) which is, I feel like is basically how Anne flirts. Um.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's so... It's, it's one time horrible. I got of guy took him balls off. I think <laughs> it's just, like Anne's pickup yeah, line. Wanna, uh, yeah. Um yeah, a good a good like intro and, and, and as so like as um Anne leaves, Max like again confronts her, like, why do you care? You're the one who threw me to them in the first place. And and says something to the lines of like, I only thought they would kill you. I didn't think they would do all this like it, which again I mean you know is is uh very telling about the way that Anne feels about what is happening here to Max.
1: Um we flash back to the brothel uh the character Adele who is one of the sex workers enters Vane's room um mm-hmm. to kind of like help take care of him, because he's, like, kind of beat to shit and, like, hung over, and he's been, like, tripping balls a bunch on opium. Um, (laughs) They talk about Eleanor. Vane is sad. Um, uh, Adele suggests that, like, Vane has the power to confront Eleanor if he wants to, and he says, like, it's time he finds out what sort of power he has, so... Uh, He is planning on going on a, like, side quest uh, to his personal plot here. Um, Eleanor has the meeting. Eleanor is like, we should form a council of, like, our most respected captains and, like, run the island ourselves. And Hornigold says, I'm into this idea. I think this idea will work. But only if you reinstate Charles Vane. Because I'm pissed that you... Blacklisted him for like petty
0: personal reasons. Um, mm-hmm. I I will say, I don't know that it's like our most respectable captains on the island. It's specifically well, sure, because certain ones aren't there. <laughs> well, it's it's certain ones aren't there, but what? Okay, that's fair. That's fair. What what ends up the the council that ends up happening yeah. and the way that she sells it is. Hornigold is there because he is the most respected captain on the island. Fraser is there, who is like the um, uh, authenticator. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, the he 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 the the, the, the like art guy fe- who like makes sure. Yeah, like, he, yeah, right. The, like, there's fence there's guy. a word for what I'm trying to say. Yeah, but regardless, he is he is their like connection to the ports in the colonies. And then the two guys that are also there are the, like, pipsqueaks of the island, the captains who have brought in the least amount of prize over the past, like, 18 months or something, because she knows she can, like, convince them to, like, hey, I want you to just be our new folks to go to the colonies and make way more money than you were before, because it's obvious you can't do a good job of doing the whole pirate thing. You're just going to be the privateer thing. Yeah. If you're a bad Um, thief, you'll be our legit front. Right. Right. And like, I, I, Mm -hmm. I, I was, I was ready for it to be like, yes, I just need to collect the, the boldest and bravest of the Island. But she understands that that, is, like, maybe more difficult than just getting a handful of, like, the runts of the litter to, like, get on her side just to mm-hmm. get through the storm. At the end of that, I was just saying, like, how I had said earlier, like, Hornigold and his crew are not defending um, Eleanor to the last. They talk about uh, Lily White, who is, like, the the main rabble rouser of these these rioters, and, um, you know, Hornigold is like, you need to, like, do something to quell this. Because, and and that's when she, when he talks about Vane has to be involved. And exactly, Mm -hmm. I just, you had already discussed this, but the line specifically is like, she's like, like, he is one man, like, nobody of any value is listening to him. And Hornigold says, I am listening to him. And it's just like, it is, it is difficult to see Eleanor kind of kelt out in this way when she's enjoyed the power that Vane has talked about, um, but it's important <laughs> that, that that she is being held accountable to some degree. I think, and, and I think that, that will prove valuable very mm-hmm. narratively.
1: Uh, so then we get to like the meat of the episode for real, which is <sighs> we're getting ready to confront the Andromache, um, Bones, uh, or there- Billy uh, Dufrain. And this character, Logan, who so far hasn't been important, but will be, are going over the ship's supplies. They had to leave a bunch of their supplies on the beach because they had to remove it when they careened the ship and they hadn't had time to put it back on. Um, Billy then tells Dufresne, like, you have to fight in this battle. Mm-hmm. And Dufresne is like, absolutely not. I do not do that. Like, I'm the book guy. <laughs> uh, look at all these... Lo- like look." I have saved us so much money. I do not fight like I'm valuable to the crew, but in the capacity of like crunching numbers and Billy just won't hear it. He's like, everyone has their first time. Uh, you're right. You are incredibly valuable to the crew, but like you have to, you have to fight this time. Um. He then goes over the like plan. Uh, so he, he like has two brushes and he kind of like explains that like if, What's going to happen is the andromache is going to turn. So that way it's guns are facing us as we move forward. It is then going to fire all of its guns at us in what is called a raking shot. Um, And then it will turn back around with the wind and like shoot ahead of us again and then do the same thing over and over again. When it Mm -hmm. does this. We can um, either turn as well and return fire, except our guns aren't big enough to really dra- damage the Andromache, or we can try and slip in behind it and then like do a boarding action. However, the captain of the Andromache is way too experienced to let us do that. So people, the crew are like, well, what the fuck are we going to do then? We can't just keep taking raking shots. And uh, Billy goes, well we are going to convince the Andromache to instead of turning right to like take the wind and like shoot ahead of us again, we're going to convince her to turn left and lose the wind and come alongside us. And everyone's like, well, how are we going to convince them that? And Billy's like, Bo clerk. And then it zooms in on this guy who's got like a fucking like toothpick and is like whittling a thing. And he's like, yeah, I can do that. Um, and he is the ship's uh sharpshooter. Um uh, then begs to not have to fight again, and Billy's like, look, man, like you're right. you're fighting. I'm sorry.
0: So thoughts on the plan, yeah. Ronnie. Thoughts on the plan. First I have thought there are there are two elements of this meat of this episode. So this the next probably like twenty to fifteen minutes of the episode. The Point A, like the 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 section A that is like we, we we will continue to talk about more, is the like seafaring, sea battle, boarding, all that stuff. Incredibly cool, incredibly like uh, again. This is this is that like it's not just the brawn of the thing; it is the brains of the thing. It is the understanding of the thing. It is the strategic maneuvering of the thing. That's section A. Section B is a section that I would like to call, holy fuck, I didn't know Dufresne was this hot. And I got so hot and horny for Dufresne. Basically from the moment that uh, he was flapped uh, by uh, Billy handing him a pistol. Up until this point, mm-hmm. I, I can I, I, I barely consider Dufresne, like a character. He was very much like a Morley or um He was exposition. Uh, just, just, he was the
1: crews have yes. a hard time, look you know, crunching numbers, we're in trouble. He was exposition, yeah.
0: Right. He was he was the fucking nerd and not in a hot way. He was the nerd in a not fun way. And the moment that he again he he, kind of, like, spoke from this place of composure. And that, like, just annoyed me because that is adjacent with privilege. The second he is given that pistol, he is a what? Wa- he, he goes, as a sheet? He is fully flapped. And I was like, oh, no, I love this boy. Oh, no, I love this boy. And his, like, descent into madness throughout, I was just like... So fucking here for it. And I was like, uh oh, this is, this is literally the like, take, and, and this will happen later. He literally does the, um, the trope of taking a nerdy girl's glasses off and shaking out her hair. And suddenly she's beautiful. Literally, <laughs> Duprat takes yeah, his yeah. glasses off, shakes his hair loose and is like, nope, I'm a hot boy. Did you know I was a hot boy? Uh, and, and I was just like, that is like, a big part of what I was watching for the duration of this episode. So like he, he, he kind of is becomes like a little bit of an audience surrogate through here. So like the show intended for me to do that, but also, uh, holy fuck Dufrain, Holy fuck. Um,
1: can we go to Andy's gaming corner for a minute? Yes, please. So yes. I mentioned in episode zero that I play a game called blood and plunder, which is, uh, a historical mm-hmm. miniatures game. Which means there's no like fantasy elements to it. It's trying very hard to be historically accurate and uh, has some great uh, historians who like helped weigh in on stuff to make the game as um, accurate as possible. And mm. um, my major strategy when I'm playing a sea game because uh, the the game is about the the golden age of piracy, the age of sail. Um, mm-hmm. I happen to play the French a lot, and my strategy is I load up my decks with highly accurate muskets, I play a ship that is not very agile, but it can go straight decently fast,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I just point it directly at the enemy and go as hard as I can straight at them, they... Hit me with raking fire, which is um, horrible to get hit by raking fire. That is when the one ship Mm -hmm. is sideways and the other ship is straight, and the sideways ship gets to fire all their cannons into the ship moving straight at them like we see in in this episode. Uh, It sucks. But my ship is a big toughie and can kind of take it for a little bit. And then as soon as I get close enough, I unload with my highly accurate muskets uh, to stress out the enemy I, I i i either pick like the people steering the ship or i pick the people on the cannons and i like focus my fire all on them and then i hit them with grapples and i fucking board and watching this episode of black sales after having done this a bunch in blood and plunder i'm just like fuck yeah get them boys yes mm-hmm. um <laughs> it's it's so satisfying uh for me to watch this episode because i'm like that's me that's what i do uh that's how I win. Um It's great. Uh it's 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 a fucking great scene. Um and I love that it's from Dufresne's point of view. Like the first yes. real battle in this show being from someone who is like totally uncomfortable in it, and then we see him yeah. like fully lose his humanity and become like a goddamn animal, I think is mm-hmm really telling and i think it really connects to the name of the ship again the andromache um yeah. and like how are you going to fight mankind and like who will you become yeah. while
0: you fight mankind and uh right. it's good shit well it's also like do from a very like narrative standpoint dufresne has watched uh or or at least been like aware of the way that flint's crew does their boarding which is as we see it again with fake teeth and, uh, you know, uh,
1: body. Joshua.
0: And yeah, a, a very like aggressive, uh, performance and, uh, Dufresne just like, I I don't know that they use those fake teeth to rip out somebody's jugular from their throat, but I don't know that Dufresne knows what they do with the fake teeth. Dufresne doesn't give a shit. Dufresne just cares about how many casks of, of of you know black powder are on the ship he has to count afterwards. And so when when Dufresne jumps into the fray, he's just like, well, gotta do what these boys do, and just absolutely go savage on on these uh these well-to-do crew, it is uh visceral and again kind of uncomfortable with how hot i find this kind of violence but we will i love that billy is totally
1: uncomfortable about
0: it he's he's just like fuck man yeah
1: uh speaking of billy and dufresne i think it's really important that billy tells a story and billy lies to dufresne billy lies to dufresne and says that no one dies in their first battle on this crew it happens yes. on other crews, but on this crew, it has never happened to anyone on the Walrus
0: that they've died the first time they've gone right. on a boarding action. And right. he doesn't know why. It's it's, uh, it's not. Do, there's not like a re- They don't like it's. There's no reason for why that happens. It just happens. It's just it's just the luck of the ship and
1: uh it calms Dufresne down we then get a moment where like everyone does their little thing to center themselves before the battle we see Joshua like put his teeth in we Uh see uh uh Joji uh like kiss his sword uh we see like I think Uh Logan like blesses himself and Dufresne takes his glasses off and um it's this like beautiful moment right before all hell breaks loose uh, we get the battle, it's really visceral, it's really violent. Um, moving on after the battle, uh, we see that Captain Bryson uh, has hidden below deck with the majority of his crew. They've barricaded themselves um, behind uh, like a fortification below deck. And it turns out that there's a bunch of slaves on board, which uh, I don't believe Nassau would have been cool with. Uh so yeah. it seems like Bryson was probably keeping that a secret. Um and we see that Mr. Scott is down there and has been enslaved by these guys. Uh which is like a huge twist. Um
0: yeah. a twist on top of the uh, twist, Bryson. The, sends, I, the fact that this is a yeah. like slaving vessel is like very much intentionally like hidden from the from the audience. And like you said, from Nassau, but also from us, the audience. And it's like yeah. it it positions like these are pirates. Like, the show has made no bones about, like, the moral ambiguity of pirates. But the pirates, compared to, like, now what we know is a slaver ship. all of a sudden that ambiguity... The the, the morals are all over the place. And then to have him, like, address one of the slaves and have that slave be Mr. Scott is just, like... It was... it, It is what... Not... The ship... The show was... This episode has a lot it has a lot and this was an element Mm -hmm. that like okay okay it's not like this is something that i was like what a twist i love that there are slaves involved now but it's like okay like there's a lot happening right now and this show is going to have some things to say about it and i am happy about that
1: um
0: they send a slave up with
1: a message uh and they explain, like, we're fortified down here. Um and we have all the time in the world, you have no time because we had sent word to the Scarborough of our route and they're gonna be looking for us. Um mm-hmm. just then the uh the slave who they forced up there uh lights a grenade. Uh Billy saves Flint and uh is forced to kill the slave and the grenade goes off. Um I want to point out that Joshua, the guy with the teeth, is translating the whole time, which I think Mm -hmm. is, um, we we probably could have told from his accent that he was uh, from somewhere in Africa. But um, I think the fact that uh, he is a freed slave, uh, presumably, is, like, fucking badass. Um, Yeah. And then uh, they see the Scarborough on the horizon. Um, Yeah. So, like, things are really heating up. That is where the episode ends. Yeah. Uh, how you feeling,
0: Ronnie? So, I have... There are about four times in my notes. I usually don't take... I took notes a lot on ending pending. I usually don't take mm-hmm. notes here, except for things that I can bring to Landlubber Learning with Ronnie. Like, I, I really just try and ingest the show and, and kind of tr- maybe try and, like, encapsulate the episode in one bit... This epic, there's so much happening in a good way that I felt like it was important. Uh, my notes consist of a lot of stuff, but what they mostly consist of is me writing holy fuck with uh, a a varying amount of characters involved. And it is holy fuck, holy fuck, holy fuck, Dufresne, holy fuck, and then finally, holy fuck, conclusive, (laughs) like just like a, a, like a breath of like what is happening um yeah 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 andy this is a good show that is good and it has good writing and good action and good acting and good Mm. characters and is good um it's a really good show ronnie and this is like i like
1: i told you before we started you know Episode five is where black sales, in my opinion, truly becomes black sales. Yeah. Um, I think at episode uh, three and four, we like start slowly building towards Mm -hmm. this. But episode five is just like, no, we are black sales now. Um, Something that I forgot to point out that I want to point out here is that we get a small, tiny hint. At John Silver's background. Yeah. Where he talks about um, mob violence. And it seems like yes. he has experienced it to some degree. Uh, maybe more than mm-hmm. once. And in the conversation with Eleanor, he he says, uh, the people most surprised when it happens are usually ones that gave rise to it in the first place. Uh, and yeah. he's like telling her but- like this mob is going to get angry and angry and angry and like rip you apart.
0: Right. This is this is right. I think this is at way at like this is right before the final scene on the Andromache. and um, uh, it's just something I noticed about this scene when. So speaking of camera work, which is not something I feel like we normally do, but I think is 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 oftentimes a part of the storytelling. When you're on the ship, the camera kind of sways with the ship, um, which you know, creates that feeling of you also being on the ship, but also like confirms like these boys are on a ship. Like this is, this is Mm -hmm. uneasy territory when people are having scenes on land. There are a lot of really artful camera shots, a lot of over the shoulder stuff, a lot of like, um, you know, it's, but it's steady. It's typically always Mm -hmm. steady. in this scene the camera is so fucking shaky and so unsteady. And like when John Silver is directing, delivering this monologue about like, you know, people like the, the power of mobs of people like this and people losing their humanity in these mobs. um, He is almost like looking directly down the barrel of the camera, which this show does not do. This is like a show told from a, like, a story perspective. He is not talking to us, the audience. He's talking to Eleanor. In this scene, he is talking to us, the audience. And it's so shaky whether it's on Eleanor or whether it's on Silver. The camera is, like, so absolutely shaky cam. And I just thought that was very interesting to point out in this, like, what feels like a real um, uh, a real turning point moment for both of these characters. Like, it, it, it is very uneasy. It is very uneven. It is very it is far more akin to like it is on the ship when things are unsteady and, and nothing is certain. But it's even worse here. And I just thought that was like a... I, I am reading into it, but I think that that's probably a, a reasonable read of it. Um, I just thought that was an interesting use of that kind of a, a tool in, in a show like this.
1: Yeah, and I, like, it, it speaks to what's about to happen on the Andromache uh, with Dufresne. Sure. It speaks to what's going to happen on the Andromache, presumably with the uh, slaves that are held there, um, mm-hmm. that there there might be a chance that they uh, rise up. We don't know for sure mm-hmm. yet, but um, it right. kind of seems like that might be something that is being hinted at, that the the right. ones who deserve it don't... Ex- you know, they they're the last ones who see it coming. Um right. that or sorry, the people most surprised when it happens are usually the ones that give rise to it in the first place.
0: Right. And we have seen throughout this episode our shots of uh the captain of the Andronic. yeah, forget his name. Bryson. Bryson. We captain have seen Bryson. Bryson be incredibly composed. In- like he is not flapped at all by the idea that um the uh, the walrus is closing in until it's like even even when they have boarded the ship, he has a huge sense of composure. And like that speaks to what Silver is saying, like the people who like are are most destroyed by this thing are the people who did not see it coming and the people who are responsible for it. And like makes me hopeful. I don't know what's happening in and chapter like, six. Bryson as a villain, he he doesn't feel
1: like a slaver. Right, He's dressed real nice He talks real nice He's well respected by Eleanor And by Captain Flint For being a talented captain Mm -hmm. uh, Who understands Like managing people And like sailing a ship like Flint Mm -hmm. And Billy both call him an excellent captain He's too good a captain for them to do The usual trick that they would do In this sort of situation Um, So it is uh, I think kind of a surprise when it's revealed to the audience like oh this guy who like talks real good and manages his crew well and uh seems to be like a really brave individual is a piece of shit slaver um and i i think that like especially in america we view bravery as a morally good trait and like bravery does not have a moral value associated with it um even right. like managing a team well does not have a moral value associated with it obviously you want someone who's like a good manager of people and who can inspire people and stuff like that but like you're not morally good if you're good at that sort of shit because you can use it for evil and this guy's a fucking slaver right. Um, right. and he sucks so like that, that twist I think is really powerful and is, is Black Sails showing us something very early on you know we're only five episodes deep and here right. we have uh, a guy who is a horrific piece of shit who up to this point has kind of felt kind of like a good guy um, yep. up till now uh, mm-hmm. so I, I think that's that's really saying something, and it, it's the whole thing of, like, us versus society. Like, the pirates versus society. Right. The outcasts versus society. Like, this dude is so part of society. He has called the Scarborough. He is bringing society right. here. Right. And, um, he is a piece of shit.
0: I even think last time when I talked about the idea of privilege and composure, that like, I kind of included him and I, I like, hesitated to include him in the in the camp of people who have privilege, because I was like, nah, he's still out there on the sea, he's still doing his, and it's just like, it, I fell I fell directly into this trap of like, oh no, he's he's not like with these other folks, like he's he's got a, a, a scraggly beard and he's like clearly just like on the periphery of piracy and stuff like that and the show did such a good job of like turning that mirror around and like preying on the audience's like like just like you said, are like presupp- presupp- presupposition that like uh, people who are bad are mustache twirling, are obvious, are singleton, are are like obviously bad. The people who are are good or like even like morally ambiguous, like it's easy to tell who those people are. And the show is just like both in this world and the world that we are living in. Nah, that's not that's not how it works. That's not how any of this works. Like that feeling that we have is why people like uh, Bryson, why people like the people that Bryson is working with are able to thrive because of the grace that we give to people just based on having some charm or having some charisma and associating and having some bravery and and us having reverence for that and associating it with good moral position. Like it's, it's, it is, it, it makes me think so deeply about that like you said the society versus uh, the pirates but it's also like flint's first conversation of like they mean to make monsters of us and it's like here we are in episode 5 i see two camps of people i only see one monster and like it and he's it, the guy like, that's
1: allowed in society he's the guy right, that from right. Nassau gets to go to the the actual world and deliver right. the the goods uh, he's right. allowed to make court in Boston and the new world and England, right. but he's the, mo- he's right. the
0: fucking monster. He's, he's selling monster. people Absolutely. like, yeah. And I, and I think that that, I don't feel like that is the subtext. I feel like that is the text. Like the, I, I don't feel like I'm bringing something where it's like in my analysis, it's like, that is exactly what the show is saying. And I think that it is so interesting by just introducing the idea of like, a slave ship into this world, the conversation between episode five and episode six becomes not even like the conversation about episode five and episode six, but the door that is opened because of that inclusion into into the narrative of something that is an incredibly important part of this history, of this seafaring history, the door that that opens allows for a conversation that totally turns this show on its head. Like, not not very much in the way that you are talking about, about how, like, this is now a different show, and not solely because of that inclusion. I think it's one aspect, but it is a huge aspect that, like... Oh, it, really yes, absolutely. Ignites the conversation. It, like, the, the conversation was already very uh, flammable, and now the conversation is... It, it has engulfed in flames and it, it 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 you cannot you cannot look this the show up to this point has been like haha fun and violent pirate show it because of that aspect it is it is not just a different show because like the narrative is slightly different it is a different show because we are living in a different world and don't have the benefit of of the of the like kind of captain hook yo ho ho uh, a Jack Sparrow world that we were living in before this is a very different world moving forward
1: yeah and um i think the big question is like how did mr scott get there like last yeah. we saw him he was scheming with richard guthrie to kind of betray eleanor in order to keep her safe and um somehow he ended up in chains on the Andromache, and uh, that fucking blows.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, Bryson does say, like, that was under the orders of Guthrie, right? Like, yeah, yeah. No matter what happens, make sure Scott is on that ship. Bryson has his little scene where he's like, Try, again, from this point of privilege and composure, trying to be like, you had to know that there were consequences for your actions. You stood against your, like, your, your, your provider. You sided with his daughter. Like, you had to have known that this was gonna, and like, to say that to a man in chains, on, with all of the racial context that is at play here is just so, it like, just stokes that fire of like, even here, where it is so visible, so absolutely unassailable, that this man is the monster of society that Flint is, that Flint is afraid that society will cast him as he still stands there, right there from his point of his privilege and composure because he does not know a different world. He does not know a different way to interact with the situation, and why would he? And it's just so like he, this man is irredeemable. Is 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 what I am reading from th- from this moment in this show, and it's just like, oh god, the fact that there's a cliffhanger here too is just like I really, yeah. I, I I understand is like, bearing shows, down
1: on them. There yeah. is uh, a barricade and then there's a bunch of people who are even less privileged and even more ma- marginalized than our, our pirates. Um, right. What are you going to do? Uh, is right. a very interesting dilemma, uh, before them. Um, so we'll see what happens, but episode five is a real banger. Episode six is also a real banger. Um, uh it's it's a roller coaster ride to the end of season 1 from here on out. Oh, and Charles left. Charles is like, "Oh, I'm
0: fucking out of here. I'm going on a I'm going on a little boat." Yeah, Ready for a boat ride. <laughs> he's He's well, what he says is like I the the problem the problem is not in there, pointing to the tavern. The problem is not with Eleanor. The pro, I, I don't know You're exactly what he says, Eleanor, but he's like yeah. Yes, he he talks about this idea of, of he just says like I'm going to figure out if I can handle the problem that really is, and I have no idea what his plans are. He's not getting out to the walrus. He's not involved in that fight. But what is? I don't. Yeah, I, I am. I am unsure of what is happening there. But that's that's also like a really cool side plot that I'm I'm excited to follow.
1: Yeah, it's it's really compelling what Charles is up to. Um, we kind of talked a little bit last episode about like. This vision he's been having, and like what does that mean and and why does he have to kind of go off on his own to deal with it yeah. um so we'll yeah. we'll see where that takes him
0: um but yeah every everything is now just ramped up. I also love it there that based on his conversation with adele in in the brothel, like he is so horny for Eleanor. Not just in a way that she is, like, young and pretty and thin and blonde and he is a man. But in this way that she has power that he and everyone on the island can't match. She doesn't answer to a crew. She just does things. And he is so entranced by that and so, like, captivated by that power. And, like, I... I love that because it's like Flint is is obviously not captivated by that power. I think Flint is is happy with Mm -hmm. or not maybe not happy with, but is like comfortable in the power dynamic that, that are existing for him, even when he recently was like almost ousted because of that power dynamic. But Vane is someone who like looks at the power that comes with being the captain of a ship and looks at Eleanor's power and whether he wants Eleanor's power or is just very turned on by Eleanor's power and like that it, it, i'm not sure but he is incredibly aware of it and like knows that it is different and he is not the same
1: yeah it's it's a really compelling dynamic and uh like the the vain Eleanor relationship is so interesting like Charles is like in love with her, and hates her, and so mixed up about it, and it doesn't seem like he fully understands, like, how to have a relationship. Um, it's a mess.
0: Yeah, I, 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 I'll I'll return to the well of my notes and just punctuate this with a, with another holy fuck, I'm just like, even, even now, I'm thinking back to the episode, the like, like, I know that we've discussed, like, the actions happening on Nassau as kind of, like, the B-plot that is, like, Eh, it's not that interesting. I'd rather spend more time with with the Walrus crew, like that little meeting with Hornigold and and Frazier and the other ship captains. Like, was some succession level politicking happening, and I was I was gripped by it. I was very interested in it, and it, it, it fucking sold that level of this show for me like i i i wanted to be there too there was no there was no bad place to be this episode and i was uh i was just very yeah i also did a, a very intensive uh hour and a half yoga session right before i watched this and like I think I released something in like my hip space or, or, or something that like was making me feel emotions in a very big way. And so like this show was really jumping up and down on all of my, uh, all of my nerve endings the entire time. And like, I, 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 I am not, I am not someone who does a ton of drugs. Um, but I, this this was a this was a pretty good way to watch the show i think it, it really like opening all of my senses for this kind of thing
1: well any any more thoughts on it i think i'm out of thoughts on this episode i'm just excited for I, next time already
0: yeah i have a lot of thoughts but i feel like i have been wrung dry of them that like i can't wait to talk more about this show next week um can't wait to watch it i did kirsten i I, I watched this without Kirsten. Kirsten and I had been watching it together. Uh, and I did, like, hype her up, like, this is the episode. This is the episode. Um, and I watched it without her. And she was kind of like, hey, what the fuck? Hmm. But I was like, I've done you the favor of you don't have to wait now. We can. I will watch episode 5 again, which I'm ex- ex- so excited to do with her. And then can immediately go right into chapter 6. And, like, I've given her the gift of not having to wait and I've given myself the gift of getting to watch this episode again. I have I've really set myself out for some success and I'm excited to to do that and then to rejoin you here at this table.
1: Hell yeah. Well, I guess that does it for us, right?
0: It does do it for us. We are on Patreon at patreon.com slash WTM radio. We haven't mentioned that in a bit. Uh, Roll weird which is the Monster of the Week podcast that Andy is an award-winning voice actor for. Got to check that out. Uh, Things are really ratcheting up there, and I'm really excited about it, and there's lots of bonus content for this show, uh, uh, this show as well as bonus content for Force Friends Free Watch and uh, uh, ending Pending and uh, other retired shows on the network that you can check out uh, at patreon.com slash WTM Radio. And, yeah, Uh, thank you all for listening. We have been your princes of the new world. I have been Ronnie. I'm Andy. And yo-ho-ho! Yar! Why why, why is the rum going (laughs)
1: oh boy um i i vast <laughs> you mateys i i, I uh, we gotta we gotta figure out the real yeah ending,
0: so <laughs> we need a sign we off, do maybe. because because like i said the, these, these like fakey pirate bullshit feels a little trite it feels a little soft now that i've seen chapter <laughs> it feels five Feels a little yeah a little underwhelming oh <laughs> boy. we'll see you next week everybody goodbye
1: bye